You're listening to episode 16. And I'll do that again because I don't need to be all gay. (laughs) You always sound gay though. You're listening to episode 16 of the Massive Attack Podcast. Welcome. With me as always is Joe. Hi, Mitch. How are you going? I'm good and I'm Mitch, as Joe just said. Let's get into it. It's bloody hot here in Melbourne. We're on our a record-breaking ninth day in the 30s. I don't know what that is in like Fahrenheit. You might know in Wales they use that. <laughs> there, we're sweltering in the Mitch studios today. It's yes. like, we'd open the windows, but you'd hear dog noises, so we've got to uh, keep our own dog noises inside. Anyway, let's get on to it. So, as we normally start, let's talk games. Okay. Now, we had a good week last week with Xbox being our friends. Yeah. And saying, here, here's a sale with a bunch of really cheap games. Yes. I know I was sort of sitting there earlier in the month thinking, yeah, I'll keep playing Red Dead and we'll have a nice quiet game month. And then all of a sudden this ultimate game sale comes out and... And we got to it late too. So I think we actually missed out on quite a few bargains. I think we missed a week and then you sort of texted me saying, check out these games. There's really cheap stuff. Like Resident Evil 6, which is the most recent one, not even six months old. Is that about right? Probably. That was nine ninety five. Yeah. Here in Australia, I don't know what it was in America, comparative, I'm assuming. But I did end up buying some just for the hell of it. I didn't want to go and put another credit card on my Xbox Live account. So I was a bit dubious about doing that. And that was only sort of the second last day or so that I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And then I went and bought a game and I said, all right. So I got the credit card out, about to buy a game. And there's a little blue button and it says, push the X if you want to use Microsoft points. It's like, hang on. Yeah, it was very tempting, wasn't it? I can use my points for this. So that's a lot easier than putting another credit card on. So I bought a few that day and and used up all the points I had left and then went and bought a recharge card the next day and bought up a little bit more. So in the end, I picked up the first Ghost Recon for $2.95 Australian. Oh, so you did buy that? Yeah, I bought Hawks for two ninety five. <laughs> I bought Raving Rabbids for two ninety five. Unfortunately, I picked up what I thought was cheap, Max, Max Payne 3. I picked it up for like, 30 bucks and I thought I was doing well again they're really cheap and that was for sale for $5 and yeah I picked up a few more um, Kane, Kane and Lynch. Lynch the first Kane and Lynch or the yes, second one the first one yeah. and I think another one there but I can't even remember but it was just like I'm just buying and in the end and I got it literally bought them all the day before it finished so yeah. I'm glad I got what I got but like apparently Codblops or Call of Duty Black Ops was two ninety five the week before so I missed out on that one yeah I looked on my American profile and they had Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 for like two ninety nine American but unlike the American game games where you can buy like arcade games here in Australia they kind of region block them so you can't buy the on-demand stuff which is a bit of a shame although yeah we had some pretty good deals so I've been really keen on trying to pick up Tekken 6 for quite a while because it's always been cheap on the American store and expensive here and then it went on sale and it was still $29.95 here for a two-year-old game but in the second week of the sale they had Tekken Tag Tournament 2 which only got released in December and that was only $9.95 and like the cheapest I've seen that on disc in the shops is still around the $40 mark. Sweet. So I was pretty happy with that. I did my usual trick of buying a game that I previously owned and traded in and I bought Virtual Fighter 5 again for $4.95 and since the sale I've been playing that an awful lot. For some strange reason I had that on disc. It was one of the first fighting games I got when I got my Xbox and I played quite a bit of that and then traded it in probably 18 months almost two years ago now i think and then yeah i've bought it again i I deleted my save so i had to pretty much start from scratch again but now i've been playing a a great deal of that and i also picked up the rally game dirt 2 for i think that was 4.95 as well so i didn't buy quite as much as you did i only bought the three games but still they had some really good deals they had a lot of stuff that i was kind of tempted to maybe buy the on-demand version and try and trade in my discs for well i thought about that with max Payne. i thought "Mm, and i've just 
just said, buy something you haven't got. It's like, yeah, right, but fair enough. that's kind of like what I did as well. I thought, well, I know when I traded in Virtual Fighter, I probably only got about two or three dollars for it when I traded it in. So a lot of the other stuff they had, I had already finished. Like they had Arkham Asylum for five nine nine four nine. No, I think nine nine five. Yeah, and I thought, well, do I buy that even though I've already played it? But then, yeah, I thought better of it. I better not. But it, I don't know. Cause it's interesting. I was, we, I was wondering why they did this. Like, I mean, it makes sense because Resident Evil I don't understand and Black Ops I'm not sure, but something like Ghost Recon One and Hawks because there's Hawks Two out and there's Ghost Recon Two out even though that was on sale too. But who's buying that game now, yeah. especially on demand? So I, I'm wondering if leading into the next generation of console gaming, are they looking at the Steam model of people buying on demand? Are, how much? How much are people going to buy? Because I know Steam have sales all the time. Yeah, and I wondered if this is similar to those indie bundles or the cheap bundles. Like, so many people you hear them talk about their Steam accounts and they just buy games because they're a dollar or five dollars and they never touch them because they forget or they just bite on the opportunity to do it. But you've got games that are five years old or, you know, five yeah. or six years old. There is no point charging $40 for it or, you know, because people aren't buying it. Maybe they've got to go through their back catalogue and say, all right, no one's bought this game for two years. Let's put it out there for three bucks and see what we can do. It's strange though because they're purely digital. It's not like they're taking up shelf space in a game shop so they're they're flogging off old stock or anything like that so it's an interesting concept and I'm glad they do it every now and then they had a, a Ubisoft one about this time last year not I think this it year, was it um, well there was some things because I picked up because there was a um, lot of Ubisoft in there yeah, well I picked up Prince of Persia last year okay. quite cheaply and I think that was only like four ninety five when I picked okay. it up but yeah I, it's strange like I could have quite easily bought a lot more than I did like I've had Bioshock 2 on disc sitting around for ages and I've been waiting to borrow Bioshock 1 off you so I could play it and then that was on sale for four ninety five, and I was like oh do I jump do I buy it and I thought now I'll just hold off and borrow yours but th- there was a lot of good stuff and unfortunately there was a lot of stuff I have already played because some of it was old stuff but then as I said yeah Tech and Tag Tournament I was keen to buy but I didn't want to pay funny. full price I normally for. jump at a $9 game like yeah. a disc I'll say oh 9 do I want it well it's cheap enough I'll just buy it anyway but when it came to the digital ones it's like oh 9's a bit expensive yeah. <laughs> like when it came to this sale it's like oh that's a bit expensive mm. Mm. I, the only problem with that though is like, I guess you've got the, the setup of the, the Xbox in the lounge room and the Xbox in your bedroom where if you download it on one you, you can't really transfer it to the other game. You can, but it's a matter of taking it on a, like a memory stick to the other one, then you've got to log in as you, which is not hard. I mean, I yeah. can do all that, but it's just... Yeah, the yeah. idea of having it on the hard drive means I don't have to get off the couch. I'm well, that, that is very enticing as well, and isn't that's it? The, yeah, it's just on, which, going into what I've been playing, I actually started um, American Nightmare, the Alan Wake DLC. Well, is it DLC or is it a separate It's, it's, a, it's download only. There's no yeah. disc, but it is a standalone game. And, and it's a different kind of genre of game to the original Alan isn't it? No, not really. Oh, okay. No, it's pretty much the same mechanics, which was like putting on a comfortable classic old pair of jeans. It well, just was great jumping into it going, oh, this is what a game is meant to be like. Because before that, what I did play was X-Men Destinies. Yes, we're following on from uh, Captain America and Thor. Captain America is good. What else have you played? Bad Hellboy. comic related. Hellboy. Yep. So Iron Man. I'm continuing my bad comic related games. And yeah, X-Men Destiny definitely lives up to that. It is uh, quite bad. It, it feels like a last generation game. Yeah. I see what they're trying trying to do with it like they, you, you can choose one of three characters to be and then you choose their power type and you can sort of upgrade their mutant ability which, which isn't the way mutant powers work yep. you don't upgrade them the way you want they just sort of happen but anyway well, that's, a, that's a, a typical video game it's trope a video game though, thing yeah. but now it, when you say you pick a character
character. So did you get it's, to be Cyclops or no, Wolverine? No, 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 they're all brand new characters. Okay. It's, yeah, you get to fight with Cyclops or Wolverine. You have them, they turn up every now and then, which is kind of cool. But you don't actually get to control no, no, the no, real you're, you're own your own character, but it's just a beat-em-up and a very basic beat-em-up of that. I don't think I played on Baby. I think I played on, like, normal mode, and I didn't die all that often. It was very easy. There was some nice cinematics, but it looked cheap. Okay. It just, I mean, it looked like last gen almost, like Wii sort of graphics. And well, that's a shame. It was pretty bad in that way. It was it was fine for what it was, but, yeah, I'm glad I didn't pay a lot. Mm. But I finished that as quick as I could. It's like, let's get this fucker over and over. With. Well, it goes on the shelf with your other collection of yeah, yeah. comic-based I'm, video I'm, games. I'm willing to wear this pain. Going from that straight into Alan Wake, it was like, oh, yeah, this is what a good game feels like. Yeah. I just really enjoyed Alan Wake for what it was. It yeah. just the way it worked and the way it looked it was beautiful, which I just finished and then going on to the... Well, with my downloadable games, the first one I played, which I, I downloaded Raven Rabbit, Raving Rabbids or whatever for the nephews if they ever come over. It's something they can play. It's the first game I played. I don't know why. And I ended up <laughs> playing it for two hours and I was like, why am I doing this? Go and cook dinner, God's sake. I haven't touched it since, but that, that was the first one I played. And it was a, it was a bit of fun. It's a, it's a party game in a lot of ways. It's just a lot of mini games. Okay. So I was like, yeah, it'd be good for the nephews. But then what I did start playing is I'm like, okay, let's see what I got. Let's do Kane and Lynch because I like my, you know, we've discussed in the past, we like our third person action adventure games. Yep. And this is it. This is more of a shooter though, isn't it, Kane and Lynch? Yeah, yeah, it's a shooter. Yeah. Third person shooter. And... Fuck me, does it look old? Really? Oh, man. I, again, this looks like an old generation gaming too. I know it's a couple of years old, but fuck. It's probably more than a couple of years old, isn't it? It's about 2007, I think. It might Maybe, be. but I thought the graphics were better that then. Okay. I mean, I, I'm just spoiled. When you look at Alan Wake and Arkham City and things like that, and you just realise how far graphics have come yep. in the Xbox 360's lifespan and what the 360 is capable of compared to what people were programming it for you know, years ago. Well, it's strange that you say that, though, because... Playing a lot of Virtual Fighter Five again. Virtual Fighter Five is quite an old game now. I think that's a good few years old now. But the backgrounds look spectacular. Like the animation of the actual fighters themselves isn't quite up to say what your tech and tag would be. But the backgrounds are, are super crisp and everything looks really beautiful. So and, and again that's an old game and they've I can't say it. the same about Kane Lynch. I think it depends on what engine they're running. Yeah, but I was just really surprised. I, w- I don't know what I was expecting because you got the CG graphics of them on the box. You got a yep. picture of them and that's a computer generated. Version versions of these people's faces and I thought oh that'll be the graphics because that's like Arkham City or any of those sort of things and it is not that oh okay it's like going back to PlayStation 1 Tekken that's how it feels oh, I'm okay. sure it's not that bad but that's yeah. what it feels like if I actually went back to PlayStation 1 Tekken I'll be incredibly shocked at <laughs> how bad that looks but is it any good? um so far, I'm not enjoying it. Again, it's like thing I enjoyed X Men a bit more. Yeah. So far, because I'm still learning a tutorial sort of mode. Okay. And it doesn't move as well as other games. Like when you play things like Gears of War or things like that, it just works. You push the joystick to here, and you do this, and you pull the trigger, and it goes down the sides. Everything about it just works. Kane and Lynch doesn't. So that's the problem of going back to older games, yep. where they the mechanics haven't been you know figured out. Everyone knows now how to do a driving game. Everyone knows how to do a shooter. They mm. sort of they've figured out the buttons, and they go. Yeah, this is how it works. This is on oh no, almost predates that. I don't okay. Yeah, so um, that, I'll, I'll do it quick. Speaking of driving games, I actually downloaded the demo of a new arcade game that came out last week, which was World Rally Championships Power Slide, because I was just looking on Xbox Live to see what current releases were since the sales now finished, and I was thinking, oh, it might be something good out there. And I came across this this demo, and I thought I'll download the demo and saw a trial version of the arcade game and see if it's any good. And surprisingly, it was actually quite interesting. It's a very old school soul racing. It's kind of 
isometric, almost top-down looking rally driving game, which kind of appealed to me. But I think I'm a little bit spoiled because of the, the game sale. And I saw the 1200 point price tag and I thought, well, I don't think I'll be jumping until this goes on sale. And it's a real shame that a lot of these really good games come out on, on the arcade, but people don't jump on them straight away because of the price point. Like, but what's 1200 work out to be? I think that's about $16 here in Australia. It's not much, but then when you think about it, it's not a full disc release. So mm. you don't really know how much time you're going to get out of it. Yep. And I think most of the stuff I've bought on Xbox Live Arcade has been when it's on sale. I don't think I've really bought a, a new release title on release for quite a while, probably not since Trials Evolution. And I pretty much only bought that because I put a bunch of points on there to buy Sega Soccer Slam and then realized it wasn't available here in Australia and I couldn't download it off my American one. So yes. But I don't know. It's just quirky and something that I, I thought I might like. But then, as I said, I have got Dirt 2 sitting there that I downloaded in the sale. So if I really want to play a, a decent rally game, I should give that a go, I think. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, I've played a little bit more Red Dead. I'm to the point now, spoilers, where I've made it to Mexico, which some reviews say the game gets better once you get to Mexico and some reviews say that it just loses the plot a little bit. The good thing is I've managed to get an outfit where I walk around now with a sombrero and a, and a big poncho. So kind of ties into what we were talking about last month. So yeah, that's been kind of fun. And I know you've had a bit of a dabble with handheld gaming and iOS gaming. Uh, I have. I am addicted to, not addicted to, but I've been playing a lot of Candy Crush, which if you're on Facebook, generally you'll see a lot of friends bombarding your stream with Candy Crush updates, which I haven't been doing to people. Well, that's good. It's a match three and win, you know, match oh, okay. three and eliminate sort of yep. game, like a Bejeweled or a Puzzle Quest or anything. But there's different challenges. Some are time modes, some are you got to eliminate jellies, which are behind the matches, so you got to eliminate that. Some requires, you know, matching three on that, gets rid of half of it, and then you got to oh, get rid okay. of the next. And you've got so many moves to do it in. So some are time-based, some are move-based. Others, you've got to drop fruit down to the bottom, so you've got to eliminate underneath and get them to touch the bottom with so many moves. So they're objective-based, which is an interesting way of looking at it. And it has you've got to think of it different ways in the different levels. And and I, I did notice when I saw it, because I, I noticed a lot of people on Facebook playing it, and then I saw it in the App Store. I was like, oh, yeah, what's this? And it was in the top earning. In the App Store, you get top paid, top free, and top earning. Yep. And the top earning are the ones where it's in-app purchases that generate ongoing income. I thought, oh, how is it generating money? Because well, of the microtransactions? Yeah, and sort of I went in, I played played the game for free it's fine I can play that and I was sort of getting into it and it's rewarding and the beauty of it too is as it gets harder you can only play it for so long and then it says no more moves you've oh, got to okay. wait so long before you can play again or if you pay 99 cents now you can keep going Yeah, which I've never done for me it's actually a time to stop yeah. so, so it means okay I'll come back later which is great which I, I, I don't mind but not only is there that 99 cent transaction you get to like level 30 or 20 or whatever it is and it's like ah you've got this far to get through the next bit pay 99 cents and you get the next 20 levels Mm. Like, 99 cents isn't a lot but can you uh, unlock those levels nope. without paying nope. oh, okay so you have to and it's like oh, 99 cents is nothing so I've actually gone through the, the next two after that so I've spent $1.98 on this game yep. so far which I don't mind like it's it's not a lot of money for something that I'm enjoying and the fact that it tells me to stop playing unless you want to pay this extra money which I'm never yep. going to do it actually controls my gaming a little bit well that's good so I don't know if that's its plan yeah. they want to make money obviously but for that reason I'm like I'm happy to um, keep paying my 99 cents every 20 levels or so and, and you look at the map because you've got a map as you're going around and they're your levels it's fucking huge <laughs> and it's like god damn and the thing at the moment is they're getting quite hard I'm only in the second or third level I suppose and I'm spending days on them to try and clear it so it's going to take me a while so there's no hurry so I could be talking about Candy Crush for months <laughs> yet to go so, or I could be throwing my phone out the window I don't know I see you playing it on your phone not on your iPad yeah on the phone hmm. that's, well, that's about good. it for me for games 
Yeah, I think that's about it for me for games too, which is, uh, as I said, it's, it's been a big purchasing month, but I haven't really played a lot other than Virtual Fighter Five. It's, it's quite strange. Cool. Although well, I did kind of fall into the trap of trying to watch a movie and playing games at the same time the other day and not giving the movie my full attention, yeah. which is a bit of a habit. So I guess we could probably just go straight into movies. Let's go into movies. It looks like you've been watching a few. So yeah, well, since the last time we recorded, I've pretty much had a massive spate of movies. I've tried to go through and continue watching all of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture in the Oscars, and I've now watched all but two of them, one of them being Amour, uh, Amour which I have no intent of watching, and the other one being Les Mis, which... I don't really know the stage show, so it won't mean a lot That's to me. Good. I probably no, should watch it. It's worth it. And one movie that we've both seen that we have very differing opinions on is Life of Pi. Yeah, well, I'm right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, to start with, I quite enjoyed Life of Pi, and I probably should throw a little warning out here. If you haven't seen Life of Pi, maybe fast forward for about five minutes, because a couple of things that I have issue with are spoilers. So maybe if you haven't seen it, just jump forward a little bit. But to start with, when it first started, I was thinking to myself that it was nothing like how the trailers portrayed it. It was oh, more yeah, of a... Not happy there was no Coldplay in it? Well, not really. But <laughs> that was irrelevant. But the movie, uh, the, the trailers really portrayed it all as the on the lifeboat with the tiger. Yep. Whereas the first probably half hour of the film... If not more. Yeah, it was, was an interesting movie. It Which was, is great. In the end, I was hoping not to go on the raft. It's like, yeah. I'm really enjoying this part of the story. Don't get on the boat. But obviously had. Yeah, so basically it's just Pi's life in India and him learning about religion, which was kind of a bit weird. Oh, it was quirky. It was quirky, yeah. It was a very Wes Anderson sort of thing. It was, isn't it? But the way it was building, it was like, yeah, I could watch a whole movie of this. And then they got onto the boat and I was, for me, it started to go down a little bit once they were on the boat. Like, nothing against the, the, it did start (laughs) It did start to sink a little bit. The look of the movie is spectacular. Like It just looked great. But then once you'd seen some of the effects once or twice, you were kind of a bit over it. Like the, the luminescent whale was really nice the first time what you saw it. What about the tiger? Did you realise that all that was CG? Well, I knew all that was CG, but then you showed me that photo of the, the way they did the CG, and he was sitting there with like a blue beanbag on his lap, and they pretty much drew the whole tiger. Yeah. But as the movie drew on, and on, realism aside, it just got more and more wanky and unbelievable, I think. But it, it's meant to be a fantasy film, and I understand that it's meant to be a fantastic story but for me it just got to be a bit too much well, I mean, it had me questioning. Like, it was quite off-putting. Like, I don't like seeing animals hurt. Well, no. So that was quite hard to watch. I know, because my wife and I were sitting there and we, we talked about watching it. And she's like, well, we're not going to watch it if any animals die. And I was like, well, I think a couple of animals die. And I did go on Wiki and I read a bit of the, the premise. And, you know, there was a couple of predominant animals that were going to die. And I was like, well, this is going to die. And this is going to die. And, and Stella's like, oh, is the tiger going to die? And I'm like, well, there's no mention of the tiger dying in the Wiki. So I think we're safe. But when the zebra dies was for me it was like wow that was a bit more graphic than I was expecting it to be but I mean it wasn't graphic you didn't actually see anything it's like the ear chopping off in Reservoir Dogs Dogs. it's actually happening and you're hearing it and it's actually not graphic but it's horrific at the same time but yeah the unbelievableness of the fact that he was on the boat for a little while before the tiger even turned up and it's like surely you would know there was a tiger hiding under a tarpaulin and on your boat you'd think so you would think so but for me the bit that really got me and I went from yeah this movie's not bad to fuck this movie, you know, I can't handle this movie anymore, was when they got to the island. Carnivorous Island. The Carnivorous Island. And after that, I was just so anti this film that I did, I stuck it out though and we watched the end of the movie and when 
we got to the end and there was that whole sort of, is that the true story whole... They catfished you. They did catfish, they catfish me. You. But yeah, once they got to the island, I was like, fuck this film. I was intrigued. I wasn't... I, I, was, <laughs> I, no, I mean, I saw it at the cinema yeah. in 3D. So I was totally immersed in this thing. Yep. And it did look visually amazing and the oh, 3D I'm, was I'm, I'm saying it did look good. But it was immersive. So I was immersed in this thing and I was sold at the start. That first 45 minutes of just the life of Pi in yep. India was fascinating. And like I said, I wanted to stay there. I was really interested yeah. in that story. When it got to the boat, I was not taken out of the story more, but I was a bit like, okay, fair enough. But I felt for the animals, which is a good job for the director yep. to make me do that. And there was a few logistical things or, you know, I was questioning it as I was going along saying, but is this meant to be a real true story? Is this a... And I was questioning it, but I was still enjoying it. When they got to the Canaveral Island, which is where you broke, I was intrigued. I had questions and they weren't sure they were going to answer them. So I just sort of, I was looking forward to how they explained it. So yeah. I wasn't as broken yeah. as you were. And then when they got to the end, the un- I loved it and I thought it was a really good ending. And I'm glad the tiger didn't turn around because that's not <laughs> what a tiger would fucking do. It's What's not it- like it became human. It's not like they became friends, you know? Yeah. Was- so, but in the end, th- he was the tiger. Yeah. So it didn't exist anyway. So we could have fucking turned around for all that mattered. It didn't really matter. <laughs> but the whole story is about your believing God. I don't get that at all. It's more Fight Club and usual suspects yep. than it is anything else and I dug that I thought oh okay that all makes sense everything's an analogy for something else I, I really didn't mind it at all and the fact that I saw it like it was Valentine's Day I watched it with my wife and we're at a 9.30 session and this dude was there with three kids under 10 I was like what are, what are you doing and every Except time they laughed because there was no there was no real laughs there are laughs in there but not proper ones it's not a comedy but there were laughs and anytime these kids are obviously dealing with this movie anytime something kind of funny like the animal did something even though it was normal they laughed at it and the dad's like shh it's like I don't know if it's embarrassed that oh no I brought my kids to the wrong movie or he was just such a cinephile that he couldn't help but not take the kids with him but that was kind of weird hmm. but no uh, yeah, you're I'm, wrong I'm, <laughs> okay I'm, I'm glad I saw it but now I'm I didn't enjoy it you're not going to see any more shipwrecked with a tiger boat movies ever you're done with them yeah I, I can't say that's my favourite genre of film <laughs> not anymore shipwrecked with a big cat it's a very limited genre that was my name in prison oh, yes <laughs> But yeah, going along the the Oscar line as well, I got in line. Yes, shut up. Going along that Oscar line, I I finally got around to watching Searching for Sugar Man, which won Best Documentary in the Oscars. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, because did they yeah, find him? <laughs> everyone's got the Oscars on their DVR and they haven't watched it yet. Oh no, I meant the. Oh, uh, sorry, Sugar I thought you meant spoilers for the Oscars. <laughs> yes, they did find him. <gasps> Gotta warn people, man. I, yes, <laughs> I, I should have put a massive spoiler warning at the start of this episode. <laughs> They were looking for Sugar Man and they found him. It'd be a shit movie if they <laughs> Well, they never find Bigfoot on Finding Bigfoot, do they? Well, I haven't finished yet. Yes. But, yeah, I watched Searching for Sugar Man based on recommendation from a lot of reviews. And then the day after was the actual Oscars and it won. And after watching it, I was like, yeah, that was probably the best documentary I've seen in a little while. Now, with documentary, is it meant to be true? Well, see, that's what got me as well. Like, watching it, I knew nothing about this Rodriguez cat. He was, you know, allegedly... Was he his name? cat or are you just calling him cat <laughs> no I'm just calling still... him a cat oh okay <laughs> Because he's this big tiger on a boat. <laughs> no, he was a 60s, late 60s, early 70s American guitarist, folk rock singer. Oh, kind awesome. of along the lines... Yeah, I knew you'd hate this film. That's why I watched it without you. It's along the lines of, say, Bob Dylan or... He, he's got a voice a little bit like Jose Feliciano. Uh-huh. You just want to say Jose Feliciano. <laughs> I did, didn't I? And it's pronounced Josie. <clears throat> oh, was it? Yeah. 
And he basically had a couple of albums out in America back in the 60s. And according to this documentary, kind of went into obscurity. But in the, around the 80s, he was really popular in South Africa. And it was like one of those things that in that time of, you know, apartheid and all the suppression in, in South Africa, they all kind of related to the protest era songs that he was singing. And it became a bit of a phenomenon in, in South Africa. And pretty much everyone owned a copy of this bootleg cassette of Rodriguez's music. And a bunch of South African people just decided that they would go on a big search and try and find him and through a bit of investigation and interpreting some of the lyrics of stuff like that they worked out that yeah he was American even though his name is Sixto Rodriguez so he's of Latino Mexican descent I think it was and yeah they tracked him down into Detroit they found out that he was still alive even though there was all these rumors that he'd committed suicide on stage in South Africa at some stage in the 80s but it was kind of good that it was, you know, these guys tracking him down, talking about what it was like to live in apartheid time South Africa and then finding him and bringing him out to South Africa and doing a concert. And, you know, you kind of get sucked into this whole, like, yeah, they found this guy that kind of got screwed over and never got any money because everyone was doing bootlegs of his CDs and they've brought him back into mainstream. But then later on, I was reading the wiki about him and in this whole time that he was allegedly not doing anything and no one knew who he was in South Africa sort of thing and they were, they were sort of just bringing him back from obscurity. He'd actually come out to Australia and he'd toured here in Australia and he'd played like the, uh, you know, the East Coast Blues and Roots Festival in 2007 here in Australia and he was still still you know, making a living from being a, a musician so i'm glad i didn't know that before i watched the doco because that probably would have you know tainted my view of it but oh, no i really enjoyed it i thought the music was quite good i thought it was quite well made documentary and it, it was just interesting it was a, an interesting topic and as i said I, I think if you watched it you would hate it okay <laughs> there, there was there was really nothing in it that i i was sitting there watching it and i was like my god mitch would hate this movie oh i don't like that joke <laughs> So, yes, but I would recommend that and obviously a lot of people agreed with me and thought it was a good film because it won is it better than Bonavista Social Club because that's a movie I refuse to watch see I haven't seen that either <laughs> I thought it's got Disney ties isn't it with the whole Bonavista <laughs> yeah. thing Yes. Well, rounding out my Oscar-nominated movies, I watched Beasts of the Southern Wild, and mm -hmm. I know we've talked about this previously on the show, so we won't talk about it too much. But I'm happy to say you told yeah. me you felt ill because <laughs> yes. of the seafood as Watching well. Watching the bit with the seafood, and you mentioned that the seafood made you ill. The seafood kind of made me ill as well. And there was another scene prior to that where Hush Puppy was making herself some sort of stew that looked like she put water and dog food in a, in a saucepan. And I thought to myself, God, if the seafood made you ill, I'd hate to think what you thought of this scene. It was such a strange movie. And I can see why she got nominated for Best Actress, because she carried that film. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was strange. It was kind of like, we, we talked about it like afterwards, and you were like, well, you didn't really know whether it was meant to be post-apocalyptic. or Early on, was... I thought, yeah, is this set in the weird future or something? But, but no, it's No, it's just and... you know, a shanty town in the middle of Louisiana, and it's based on like a real place. And I think we talked about this last year when we originally talked about it on the show, that these people sort of didn't want to leave their what shitty houses that they had because they knew that they'd never get allowed back into them. And it's like, my God, people lived like that. And I think that was what the scariest part was, the fact that it wasn't post-apocalyptic. People lived that way. Mm. But it, it was really well acted. And again, I don't know I, I don't know how much of the stories you hear about the production of it are true. Like, There's all these rumours that it got made on like the smallest budget you could have. I believe that. And, well, yeah. And a lot of the guys that were in it, the, like Hush Puppy wasn't really an actress. and Her dad, who her was dad amazing. Was was yeah, the was, local baker. Yeah. But I've heard stories that the guy that made it made it with his like savings that he got from graduating college and stuff like that. 
but uh, uh, who knows. But then once it got a bit of recognition for some film festivals and stuff, they pumped a lot of money into advertising and promoting the film, which is, I guess, it paid off because they got their nomination for. They did, but yeah, obviously it didn't win Best Picture, but it got nominated for Best Picture. And the other movie that I watched that also was up for nominations of Best Picture was Zero Duck Thirty, and I. I don't know if I gave the movie the attention that it needed because I was watching it on the iPad while I was playing Red Dead Redemption. Mm. So it was kind of like, you know, which field of vision am I watching? And I don't know, it was, it's very it's pro- with a cowboy shot. <laughs> yeah, Obama. Osama. Bin. Obama. Obama. Osama. <laughs> yes, it's a very different movie. Yeah, there were bits of it that I thought were really well acted, but then a lot of it was just so long and drawn out. Like, it's a two and a half hour movie. And probably just think half, though, if Michael Bay directed it, oh, there would have been a lot more explosions. Yeah, but the thing is, the realism in it, the guns sound like real guns, and the people that get shot aren't Hollywood type shootings, they're like what you'd see on the news. So it is quite realistic, and it, it's very patriotic American, but it, it shows the Americans to be Torture. quite near yeah, exactly. They, they show them like waterboarding suspected terrorists, and it really doesn't paint them in a good light. But you know, I'm, again, I'm glad I watched it, but I wouldn't say I actually enjoyed the movie, okay. And, yeah, I, I don't really know who its target audience is either, which is a bit of a shame. But, yeah. But other than that, I, I had a little bit of lighthearted fun, and I watched The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, being the fact that I'd seen a couple of the Fast and the Furious movies and really enjoyed Fast Five last year. Last year? Year before? Year before I now, I think it was. It? Must be. I think it was 2011. I really enjoyed that. I'm psyched for Fast Six coming out in a couple of months. Yep. So I thought I'd go back and watch one of the ones I hadn't seen yet. And I quite enjoyed that, even though Vin Diesel was only in it as a cameo right at the end. Which Yeah, and watching it, I thought, I recognise this guy from somewhere and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then I realised it was the kid that was in American Gothic is now the main character of Tokyo Drift. Oh, okay. Black. I only recognised him because he had such a strong southern accent. I was like, I'm sure I've seen this kid. Caleb? Yeah, he was Caleb from American Gothic. How do I know that? I don't know. But yeah, I I enjoyed Tokyo Drift. I thought the the premise was good and it was different from American Gothic. Well, that's actually the new... Well, the first one wasn't very good. The second one wasn't very good. So I never bothered with them again. And it wasn't until we listened to the band Cast, which if you want to listen to another podcast, the Bad Movie Fiends podcast is one to listen to. And they just raved about Fast Five. Yep. And it's like, we have to see this movie. And we did, and it was as amazing as they said. Yeah. So I actually went back and watched the Fast movies after that. And the thing is, the first two were pretty shit. And then the third one was directed by the guy who did the next two, I Justin think. Justin Lin. And he seems to be better. <laughs> and he's getting better with each movie too. So three was pretty good, Tokyo Drift. Then he did Fast and Furious, which is part four, yep. which was pretty pretty good and then five was amazing so he's back for six which we're looking forward to yeah and i think the other thing that makes them a little bit better now five and coming into six is they're going away from the whole racing side of things and they're going to be like fast five was a heist movie with car scenes and this latest fast six is again cars in the ads action movie with cars which Yeah. yeah which might be better than just pure racing and the rock and exactly the rock being the rock mm. yeah. a force of nature yeah yeah so that was cool well I've been watching I can't remember too many movies that I've seen but in the last few days like you with the highbrow films like Beast of the Southern Wild and Zero Dark Thirty I saw the Smurfs okay <laughs> which is not great but that's not really a spoiler for anyone is it no no one was expecting it to be great it's just I, it's, it's it's the Smurfs I thought Neil Patrick Harris would be fine and he was it's it's the same movie that you've seen in other things like it's enchanted it's someone goes to New York they've come from a fancy world to New York New York's an amazing place they have their adventures they've got to get home it's that story yep. it's predictable it's for kids it's 
It's exactly that. I remember I tried to watch this a little while ago and got about half an hour in, and I was watching it with my wife and her parents, and they, all three of them, fell asleep on the couch, and I thought, well, if they're all asleep, why am I bothering to watch this movie? And I just turned it off, and I never went back. Yeah, well, it's, it is what it is. And the other film I watched was Soderbergh's new one, Side Effects, which has got Jude Law and Rena Mooney, or Mooney Rena, what, the girl from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Okay. And Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes. And is there a non-actor in the movie that he's cast? No, in? it's not a gimmick like that. Okay, because didn't he, he put Gina Carano in a movie, the mixed martial artist? Was he did, like and he put Sasha Gray in another one. Yeah. No, nothing like that. Like, his last film I saw was Contagion which was Jude Law again, okay. which was okay, but not great, where this is a lot better than that. See, for me, Jude Law is one of those any men that kind of falls in the trap of, you know the name Jude Law, but I can't think of a movie that I, probably Existence, he's in that, isn't he? I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've seen Jude Law movies. But he you haven't just, seen AI? No, he's yeah. just not rememberable enough to go, oh yeah, I've seen a Jude Law film. Like, he's no Ryan Reynolds, is he? Well, he's not an actor of our generation, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, speaking of Ryan Reynolds, the other movie that I finally got around to watching that I know you saw a little while ago and really hyped up saying anyone of our age group should love this movie is Ted. Yes. The Seth MacFarlane written, directed, filmed, voiced the main character vehicle. And if you're a fan of Family Guy or any of the other Seth MacFarlane stuff, you would probably love this film. And the little 80s references and you know in-jokes make it worthwhile. Well, they're written for us. They are written, yeah. yeah. You can tell that, that Seth himself is... You know, that sort of late 30s. Yeah, because I had to check with the Oscars, watching the Oscars, him hosting. I said, how old is he? So I actually Googled yeah. and is he like 10 months younger than me? Yeah. So like that makes sense. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, the jokes in that movie that relate to like them liking Flash Gordon. And it just reminded me of when we were talking about Flash Gordon in an earlier episode last year. And it's like, yeah, they love Flash Gordon as much as us. And no spoilers for Ted, but if you're a Flash Gordon fan. <laughs> check it out. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that good that I'm quite happy to spoil Life of Pi, but I won't spoil Ted. <laughs> Something wrong with my priorities. So yes. We're assuming our demographic. I think so. But yes, go and see Ted. I highly recommend it. Out of all the movies that I've mentioned today on this episode, Ted's probably the one that I would recommend the most. But we did have another movie that we saw together. We had our little excursion following on from our Westerns month. That's true. Month. We did. And we went to the Astor Theatre and we saw Sergio Leone's Once Upon a Time in the West. Mm, which I'm glad I, well, I couldn't take my iPad in. Yes. So I had to watch the movie and thank God I did because it was the best I think of the four that we've seen. Yeah, for sure. It just seemed to be a more cohesive story despite the fact that Fistful of Dollars was taken from you, Jimbo. Yeah. This still had a more coherent story. And, I mean, it was it, it was slowly paced in a way. I mean, it was, I think it's 12 minutes, the opening sequence, 12 to 17 minutes. No words are spoken, but it just sets everything up yep. nicely. And it's just, it, it uses pace well. And it's got that cool factor that the second movie had for a few dollars more. With yep. Lee Van Cleef was just uber cool in that movie. And so was Clint. This one had Charles Bronson being uber cool. And Jonathan Robards? Jason Robards. Jason Robards being a bit more fun but cool just everything about it just seemed to work it just yeah a much better film big but Good and Bad the Ugly was the biggest film like it seemed that to was go on epic, it? it felt like an epic but for no real purpose it just it had bigger like there's like Civil War people just yeah. 
hanging around for no reason or Whereas, something. Once upon a time in the West really did have a, a good structure of a three act structure. It was kind of like almost self contained. You could almost watch it as three separate movies. Yeah, and it, it flowed really well. And the character was so more fleshed out than any of the other movies. And and I think that really helped. And as as you said, Charles Bronson was great. Jason Robards' character was just such a likable character, even though you weren't sure if he was <laughs> yeah. meant to be the bad guy or the good guy. And Henry Fonda as the bad guy. as the bad guy going against against the grain and playing a bad and it, guy. I mean, to me, it was a shock, yeah. even though it's it's old and I should have known this. But he plays the man in black. He's the evil guy in the movie, and he'd never done that before. And reading up, doing a bit of research afterwards, yeah, like in the opening scene, you see him shoot a kid in the back, yeah, like exactly. a twelve-year-old kid running away. And when he approached Henry Fonda to be in the movie, it's sort of like, oh, so. I want to be. I want you. To, I want you to be in it. I want you to be the bad guy, and that was sort of appealing to Henry because he'd never done it before. Yeah. And then the first day he turned up in Italy to film, he had like a moustache and a scar, and he did all these things to his face to look different. He's, and the director's like, no, 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 no. It's got to be you. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I show that kid being shot and then it pans up, it's Henry Fonda that did it, not a character. It's Henry Fonda. And it, it was quite a shock, even though it's, you know, 40 years old and we've never seen it before. But yeah. it was like, did Henry Fonda just shoot that dude in the back? It was quite cool. And he was a good bad guy. He was, yeah. And he, he carried the role really well. And as I said, all the characters in it were just so much more fleshed out than Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef from the other movies and I'm really glad we went and saw it at the cinema rather than at home because yeah you gave it our full attention we couldn't get distracted and there's a nice little scene with Woody Strode at the start and I'm learning more and more about Woody Strode and we'll talk about him in other podcasts but he is the coolest guy on the planet or was yeah you, you could quite easily dedicate a whole episode just about how cool Woody Strode is like I didn't realise that the character of Woody in Toy Story is named after Woody Strode it's, yeah. and that's just a teaser of Woody Strode yes. trivia maybe we'll, every episode we'll just give another little bit of Woody Strode maybe trivia. we should yeah. so Oh, yes, I'm glad we went and saw it. And I was actually surprised of how much of a crowd there was at the Astor. Like, I don't know how often it gets shown at the Astor, but there was a good hundred or so people there on I a think, Sunday night. I think the Astor's got a good clientele now where I've been going a lot, but you're thinking, I'm going to see this film because it's the sort of film I want to see. Yeah. And I turn up and there seems to be a hundred like-minded people going. And it seems to be the same every time I go, but that means there's obviously a hundred like-minded people to me. So I think for every type of movie, there are cinephiles out there who are going to go check it out. Exactly. So I, good on the Astor and get, we got to keep plugging you. Yep. So in seeing Ted and you being inspired by our Flash Gordon, you know, nostalgia, yep. you've come up with another challenge. Yes. So I think we mentioned last year when we did our cult movie challenge, I talked about movies that were designed for kids seeing them later as an adult, whether they still hold up. And we mentioned Flash Gordon then, and I went back and had another listen to, to remind myself of what I said. And I was talking about how I used to rent Flash Gordon out from the video shop when it was an overnight rental like back in the 80s. And I'd end up watching it you know, that night, and then I'd watch it again the next morning before I took took it back to the video shop and it became a movie that just reminds me of my childhood. I haven't seen it for quite some time and I'm not sure if you've seen it all nope. recently or not. I but bought it recently on Blu-ray because it was cheap but I haven't actually watched it. Yeah, so the, what we're going to do for next month's show is we've decided to pick four movies that we watched a lot when we were younger, mm -hmm. kind of kiddie family movies, and we're going to go back and re-watch them now and we're going to see if they hold up. So the movies that we've picked obviously are Flash Gordon. Pick Flash Gordon, uh, the movie Willow, which... I loved when I was younger. It came out in 1988, and I remember in, in my high school years, I had a Willow poster in my bedroom wall. And another two movies that I, I know suggest. you were big favourites of when you were younger, and 
we've mentioned one of them on the show before is Jason and the Argonauts, which is a 1960s fantasy movie based on Ray Harryhausen classic. Yes. And, and I couldn't, I haven't seen it for a while, maybe the nineties, maybe, but I did. I taped it off the telly and watched it a lot when I was in the eighties. I do know that. Yeah, well, I haven't actually seen that for, again, probably 20 years since I was in high school. Because you kept wanting to see Clash of the Titans, and I was nixing that. So, no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I kind of have a bit of a, a conglomerate memory of the two movies combined. Like, we talked about this before as well, as I was thinking of the animated skeletons, and that's Jason and the Argonauts, yep. but I was also confusing that with the mechanical owl, which is Clash, which of, the is Clash of the Titans. So, I mean, considering there's 20 years between those movies, that doesn't look it, to no. be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Clash sort of dates worse, I think. Yeah, Maybe because it is, is 80s, I'm not sure. And you expect better because it's post-Star Wars. So we'll, we'll give that a go and we'll see how that works. And the other one that's on the list here is Last Starfighter, which you picked. Yes. And I'm not actually sure if I have seen Last Starfighter. Well, it's it was a weird, not weird. It was a movie that came out back when you uh, kittens. If there's anyone young out there, we had videotapes back in the day, <laughs> and if we wanted to tape stuff off telly, you'd have to buy blank videotapes. And I don't know if it's BASF or one of those companies. You bought a three pack of blank tapes. You got given the last Starfighter with it. <laughs> oh, really? I know my cousins got it. I got it. So it was all sort of this. Must have been around Christmas that they did this thing. See, maybe it was a VHS thing because I had a Betamax. Well, that, that would have been it. Kids, of so that's probably why I didn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> So, because of that, we had this proper tape of The Last Starfighter. It was probably the first ever proper video I had that wasn't taped off telly. So, that's how a lot of people got it. I don't know how that helped anyone make money, like, further down the line, because there was no purchase of it, there was no further purchase, there was no toys. But anyway, a lot of people, a lot of my friends and my cousins and I all had The Last Starfighter on video. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting, because I remember last year when we went to Armageddon, we actually went to a panel for The Last Starfighter, and I was sitting there going, who are they? That will be interesting, and that will be a purely, really purely do they hold up? Because, yeah, as I said, I don't think I've ever seen it before. So I'll be looking at it as a 41 year old man thinking about a a movie for children. Hmm. So that will be interesting. So if you want to catch up, you've got a month to watch it. Yeah, exactly. You've got a month. We're going to be watching them together and critiquing them and then we'll come back next month and give our little review of what works and what doesn't work and yeah coming at it so if you choose to join us and we watch these films put them up on the facebook let us know what you think yeah tell us what you think and we'll be interesting to see how our opinions go with yours excellent well we might wrap it up there and we'll make a a little bit of a a shorter episode as as mitch said before it's about 38 degrees here in melbourne and in our little studio here it's probably double that (laughs) So that's a nice place to, to wrap up. If you do have any feedback for the show, you can find us on Facebook as The Massive Attack Podcast. So facebook.com slash The Massive Attack Podcast. Look for us as The Massive Attack Podcast on iTunes. I know iTunes has been playing up a little bit lately and for some reason it's now given us a second feed rather than our normal feed. But Maybe because stick... there's not many downloads and needs a second. I doubt it. No, I doubt that either. So uh, yeah, if you're finding that it is coming up twice on your iTunes, just subscribe to the new one because hopefully that will be the right one. You can always still find us on Stitcher if you don't want to bother about subscribing and downloading you can just stream us off Stitcher for anyone who's on other devices that isn't Apple or iOS yes although if you have a, a shitty device like my Nokia phone you still can't use <laughs> a Stitcher on a shitty Nokia phone you can download it directly off the uh, the webpage which is the massiveattackpodcast.podbean.com and that works on a shitty Nokia phone so yes alrighty well we're going to get out of here and we'll catch you next month au revoir uh, uh. I gotta go gotta go Something stupid I gotta go I gotta go, gotta go
My God, is it hot? Oh, it's nice out here. Is it? We should have recorded out there if it wasn't for the dogs.